Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun and they're all on the Instagram. So go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Okay, so today we are talking about the woman in the window, and I really wanted to put this episode out on Halloween because Halloween fell on a Monday, but circumstances beyond my control meant that that didn't happen, and you're getting a Halloween episode in November when I have already started celebrating Christmas and put my Christmas tree up in my dorm, but it's fine. That's just what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, the woman in the window follows... Anna, who is a woman, she's agoraphobic, so she lives in her house. She has a very strong fear of leaving and interacting with the outside world, so she's confined to her house, and she has taken to uh, spying, for lack of a better word, on her neighbors and looking out the window and, like, seeing things, and so we kind of just go on the journey of her getting new neighbors and seeing what she sees and, like, crazy chaotic stuff ensues, and... I really enjoyed this one. It was a psycho thriller where I couldn't necessarily guess what was going to happen. I was on the edge of my seat, especially at the end. I was really intrigued by the character and by the setup and like there was a lot to think about. I think it was a psycho thriller that was done pretty well in my opinion because I think sometimes they're hit or miss. They can be really good or they can just kind of have plot holes and leave you with too many questions and be like, why did I invest time and energy into that? But that this book was not that. So I am very excited, even though it is November, to finally be talking about it. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who listened, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I am Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. with a book we're going to start with a little bit on the writing and I think the biggest thing about the writing that I noticed was the struggle for me to determine if Anna is a reliable narrator or an unreliable narrator. Obviously she struggles with her mental health and not that that inherently makes someone an unreliable narrator but when you think about a book that focuses so heavily on this suspected murder and whether this child is being abused or not and stuff like when your perception is distorted by your perspective and your mental health and your depression and whatever like it is going to make you question whether what she is seeing is actually what's happening or it's something that she's internalizing because of her struggles and because of the fact that she can't go outside and she doesn't go outside so she can't get a full picture we're seeing the world through her window but then also she's on medication and she's a wino she doesn't necessarily hide that fact, but she's, like, always drinking and always under the influence of something, and she's mixing that with medication, and so there was a lot of times where I was, like, I don't really know how much or how true your perspective is, and so that was one of the biggest things with the writing, like, besides the fact that I think the author weaved together a really interesting narrative where we had Anna and we had, you know, why is she agoraphobic, what's going on with her family and her past because she keeps talking about this thing and like 
this kind of incident that happened with her and her husband and like that's why she separated from her husband and her kid and also the fact that later on we find out that they're actually dead and so she's been talking to them but they haven't been alive and so again that plays into the like unreliable narrator thing you know like she's talking to them probably as a coping mechanism but that makes you question what she's seeing and her perspective and stuff and like the author just did a really good job of creating a really interesting character in Anna and also like weaving a really interesting narrative with Ethan and Jane and the family and the window aspect and stuff like it just like I said I didn't know what was going on I had no idea how to guess the ending looking back on that you know the kid being the murderer I probably should have guessed because there's not that many people involved but I don't know I just think it was really interesting done really well there's a lot of things to think of and consider and process and stuff and so like having this complex story I think it was weaved together really well and also it was really interesting that Anna was agoraphobic because we got a really in-depth look into like what that was like and like I can't speak from any personal experience and I haven't done any research onto like the representation of agoraphobia and whether it's good or bad but just like seeing the intricacies of it it's not like the author just kind of threw it in there and was like oh well she's agoraphobic so this and this like we see her on the message boards talking to people about how you need grocery delivery services and how she needs a physical therapist because she doesn't get enough movement in her life and stuff like you you really get a sense of the complexities of it the intricacies of it like it's I can't necessarily say good or bad representation because I don't have that knowledge, but it's thoroughly researched representation, I'll say that much. You actually think about the complexities of her life. You actually think about what it's like for her to be agoraphobic, whereas, like, the only other book I've read with an agoraphobic character is The Bone Collector, and it's not the main character, but one of his assistants is agoraphobic, I think, or they made that a plot in the TV show that... I watched. Either way, it was just kind of like a very small plot thing like, oh, she doesn't leave the house. And it wasn't built upon, it wasn't made a complex narrative. So I think that is all I have to say on the writing. I really liked it. I had a good time reading it. It kept me really engaged too. It wasn't a book that kind of dragged on and then picked up at the end. I mean, it did pick up at the end because it's a psycho thriller, but it was pretty consistently interesting throughout the entire thing. So That is all I have to say on the writing. Now we're going to talk about the plot. Okay, so jumping in to the plot, we meet Anna as our narrator and our main character, obviously. And she is presented as this psychologist who has agoraphobia and she's married and she has a kid and she's even though she's married and has a kid, she's living alone. And so there's that first little bit of intrigue of her as a character. Like, you know, she's married, she's a kid, but she's struggling with this and she's separated from them. And like, why is she separated from them and what happens and stuff? And like, she is very interested in her neighbors and her neighborhood. And so when Ethan shows up, she lets him into the house and converses with him. And she kind of is interacting with Jane and when Jane catches her snooping instead of being horrified like comes over and hangs out with her and stuff and we like see the beginnings of her agoraphobia and like 
the struggles that she has with her house getting egged because she like goes outside to confront the kids and then faints and stuff and again like the fainting the things that are happening like you're questioning her reliability as a narrator very early on but she's interacting with Jane and we think this is good for her you know she's found a friend she's found somebody that can be a confidant in the neighborhood maybe this can be a first step towards her you know making progress with her mental health because Jane can kind of relate to having struggles like Jane's husband is creepy and controlling and abusive and we don't see this with firsthand interactions between Jane and her husband but we see it when the husband comes over and Anna's like thought she heard screams and stuff but the husband comes over and just decides to gaslight her now from what we learn later on it's not necessarily I mean it it's gaslighting but it's not like he is totally lying I don't really know because like the situation with him and Jane and Ethan is complicated and there's a lot of layers there so he's really just trying to like keep walls up so it's like it's kind of fair but it puts him in a really bad light because we believe Jane and we believe Anna and like we want to be on their side so it very quickly like gets to be a relationship that Anna is very much invested in you know because like she sees herself as a protector of Ethan and she sees herself as a confidant of Jane and she sees them as the victims of this like abusive creepy power relationship between them and Alistair who's the father and then this kind of comes to a head it actually comes to a head kind of very early on in the book because Anna thinks she sees Jane get stabbed through the window and runs outside tries to like get help tries to do something to fix the situation ends up passed out in the park and wakes up in the hospital because of this and so this is where it's weird to say this is where the book almost starts but it it kind of is and I wasn't expecting this I didn't really read the back of the book I just kind of picked it up because everybody's read the woman in the window and I figured why not but this is like kind of really where the book picks up and where it starts and where you really start digging into the characters and their relationships and stuff because she wakes up in the hospital and then gets home and the detectives interview her which they interview her with Alistair there which seems like a conflict of interest and seems like bad police practices because the guy that she thinks stabbed his wife is right there when you're interviewing a potential witness like I know that they don't believe her and they think she's fucking crazy because she doesn't leave the house and she saw this through a window but like even still hear the poor woman out without like placing this person who she thinks is a murderer in her presence maybe but when they do this interview Alistair brings in a woman who's actually his wife who's actually Jean and Anna's never seen her before so we're like what is he doing like I was not necessarily that I like fully believed in everything that Anna said but I like fully believed in Alistair being the villain so I was like okay so he like stabbed his wife and is having his mistress play his wife and like trying to get away with that or something like I was fully in on the conspiracy of Alistair being bad and Anna and Jane being good and then you know Jane calls Anna and tells her to stop photographing the house and Anna just kind of keeps going down the spiral of believing that like she knows what she saw she knows what happened like Alistair's covering something up and like the harder she leans into it and the more like excessive behavior she has 
sometimes it's hard to stay on her side because, like, she does things like breaking into David's basement when he's not home and trying to ask about the Russell family and and she just, like, keeps pushing the boundaries of what she's willing to do. Like, David, her tenant, gets home and then they get drunk and hook up in her kid's bed for what purpose, I don't know. And then she wakes up and someone has sent a picture of her sleeping from inside the house to her email and so she reports it to the cops but the cops and Alistair claim she took the picture herself and she sent it herself so like this is where you're kind of like okay that is the most logical explanation or like the path of least resistance to follow is that she took this picture and sent it because she really believes that Alistair is like crazy and killed his wife and whatever but it's like I wasn't thinking of Ethan. I wasn't thinking of David. I wasn't thinking of anybody else that was in this story. So I was like, how, how, who else? Like, what else was in there? And I think that was actually a testament to the writing that, like, Anna's world is confined to this house. And, like, because we're reading from her perspective, our world gets confined to this house. And, like, maybe this is just me and I'm just dumb, don't read enough psycho thrillers, and, like, I can predict the end of a romance because I read enough of them. But, like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I couldn't make the connection that Ethan was involved in all of this. And so while we're learning all of this also, we are learning that Anna and her husband Ed, they were taking their daughter Olivia on a ski trip and things have been kind of rocky and their relationship's not great. And Olivia doesn't want to stay because she knows it's kind of like one last happy family trip, even though she's only like five, like the kid can sense something is off. So they are driving home in the middle of a snowstorm and the car gets wrecked and they go down a cliff and they're stranded for like over 24 hours and Anna's the only one that survives. And so as we're learning that like there's all these weird things with like the picture and her breaking into David's apartment and stuff, we also learn that they have been dead and she's been in denial about that and she's like been talking to them as a coping mechanism and stuff but like she really believed they were alive and all that and then suddenly she just like accepts that she made all this shit up like suddenly she just kind of like something clicks in her and it's like oh yeah I was lying about that and like yeah I'm crazy and delusional and y'all were right and I was gaslighting you and trying to be whatever like she just flips a switch and is like yeah it's fine which was very confusing. And then Alistair breaks into her house. So you're like, what are you doing, Anna? And then you're like, why are you breaking into her house? Why are you like smashing glasses and choking her and threatening her? And then we get a new photo and we find out that Jane, who we thought was Jane, was Ethan's former addict birth mother who wanted to be back in Ethan's life and stuff, and so that is why she was around. But then we think, like, okay, the real Jane stabbed Katie, and that is why all of this craziness has happened. When, in reality, Ethan comes over, and Anna thinks that she's saving him, doing good things for him, because she's a child psychologist, and she, like, wants to help him and stuff. And Ethan asks about her cat's paw, and the only reason he knows that is because he has been visiting her in the night. 
And he did the same thing with his dad's boss's wife, which is why they moved from, I think it was New York City to where they live now. Like, this is a pattern of behavior for him. And it was actually Ethan that killed Katie. And he was the, like, older woman from Montana that Anna had been chatting with on the agoraphobic website this entire time, which that I did kind of predict. I was like, I think that, like, I don't remember if I thought that it was Ethan or if I thought that it was whoever was messing with her was also the grandmother, but I kind of called that link a little bit. But, of course, this is the point in the book when everything goes batshit crazy because we found out who the real villain of the story is, and they're running around, and they end up on the roof, and Ethan's, like, coming after her, and Anna pushes Ethan onto the skylight, and he ends up dying, and then we skip a bunch of time, and she is, like, stable and sober, and Alistair's in jail for his part in it, and her PT, Bina, who's been, like, a figure that has come in and out of her life over the book, comes over and helps her, like, step into the back garden, and she's, like, stepping into the light, and it's all very symbolically resonant so to wrap up this episode I really enjoyed this book this episode is a little all over the place because the same circumstances that prevented this from going out in October have meant that I haven't planned this episode so I'm just going off of my notes and you would think I would have been better about that because I do it so often especially when I'm at school but no I'm still just a scatterbrained mess and it's fine Even though I am a scatterbrained mess, it did not detract from my enjoyment of the book. Like I said, I was always wondering what was going to happen. I was really intrigued by the characters. I think that's one thing I'm learning about myself is that I am a really character-driven person. I love character-driven stories. And so the fact that this psychothriller is really built on like strong characters and strong, interesting, complex character dynamics and stuff like that really drew me in and then I was able to focus on the characters which distracted me from figuring out the plot of the book and so I was pleasantly surprised when the plot turned out to be not what I thought it was going to be but I need to watch the movie now because this is a movie and also I need to watch the Kristen Stewart I don't know if it's a mockumentary or whatever the like woman in the house across the street from the girl in the wind whatever that Netflix show is because that's like I know it's not entirely based off the woman in the window, but they, like, framed the title in such a way that my brain can't unassociate it with the woman in the window, so there's more for me to cover in this kind of vein. I think I need to read more AJ Finn books because I'm pretty picky with psycho throwers, and so now that I've read one that I like by them, I feel like I should read more and just kind of see and explore the world more, so yeah. I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.